like when people ask about daily reading, you know, what, where should I start and what should I do? And especially for young Christians, I like to start them off in the Gospel of John as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But I always tell them also read a chapter of Psalms and, a, and at least a few verses of Proverbs every day. Uh, Proverbs has so much uh, in it. Um, and actually there are many just standalone verses in Proverbs where Solomon is just continuing over and over just to give little nuggets of wisdom. I can imagine what it must have been like in the days of Solomon. People came from all around to hear him speak and teach uh, about the wisdom that God had given him. When God asked Solomon what he wanted, he said he would give him anything. Solomon didn't ask for riches or wealth. He asked for wisdom. And I don't know about you, but we need a lot more uh, followers of Christ that will ask for wisdom instead of all the other things that we're busy about. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to start off reading verses 5 through 8. By the way, if you have the My Custom Church app, the outline is loaded up in there. And you will also see that we have a, an additional little icon on the My Custom Church app. We've also been able to link our app to the podcast. So in the event that you miss a Sunday, you want to go back and be able to get the sermon, we have it available on our website and will be continued to be posted there. But the podcast basically gives us a mobile um, platform that makes it easier to download uh, to your phone and listen to it mobily. Uh, as well as share it with your friends and on social media and stuff like that. But we're not just going to be putting sermons on the podcast. We're actually, Kevin and I have been making some plans to, uh, to do 15-minute dive in it, right? Kind of uh, podcast where we're going to take subjects and we're going to be asking for help. Is there anything that you would like to know about? Any passage that gives you trouble that you would like explained? And, and we're going to spend uh, some time recording those and then be releasing them, you know, over the course of time. And so we have some cool things planned. Uh, I got a new partner in crime, if you will, with Kevin. Um, great guy. And uh, pray for them. They're on the road today. They'll be, they're on their way back now, I believe, or will be right after church is over. Uh, be heading back. They went out of town, I think, for a wedding. Um, so anyway, we're excited this morning. So open your Bibles, your app, or whatever it is that you're going to open. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Once you've found your place, you can stand to your feet. It's also in the bulletin. I was reminded by that by seeing Pam hold her bulletin. I'm like, hey, I actually put it in there. By the way, I, I was looking at the, so I keep all the bulletins in a folder uh, in a Dropbox account for any of you computer geeks. Um, and I was looking back, the very first bulletin that we did like that was 2016. We've been kind of, just shows you how time just ticks away so quickly, right? I don't know about you, but you ever look in the mirror and wonder where time went, right? He passed me by and never said a word on his way through, you know what I'm saying? I look and I saw all this white, and I'm like, Lord have mercy. You know, and I, I saw me and my dad in, a, in the, the window at, at uh, the Mountain, uh, Mountain View Diner. And I looked back, and there was me and my dad kind of looking in the window. And uh, I saw a reflection of both of us, and I couldn't tell which was older. <laughs> and I'm like, you know when they say you're going you're gonna to be just like your dad? Boy, that's true. That's true. Um, so time goes so very quickly, and so we need to be mindful of that um, and today, knowing that Christ is coming soon. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, reading verse 5 through 8, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we just ask you today, Lord, to be with us. Lord, we pray that it will be your words, not mine. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here who does not know you, Father, I pray today they see, Lord, your, uh, Lord, your absolutely amazing love, uh, Lord, and your eternal mercy. And, Father, I just pray today that they will see you for who you are and that, Lord, that they'll fall in love with you as well and that they'll call you Lord. And Lord, for those of us here who do know you, Lord, we still, Lord, need so desperately to grow and to be strengthened in your words. So Father, I pray today that you strengthen us. And Lord, and help us today, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to face this new year. Lord, we, prepare, we ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord, prepare our hearts to, to 
Lord, get ready for this year. And Lord, make it the best year we've ever had for spreading your word. Lord, we love you. And pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You all can be seated. I want to start off this morning by first off by going back to chapter 1 in Proverbs before we discuss chapter 3 and specifically these four verses uh, here. And I want us to kind of, if you would, envelop the purpose of Solomon's writing. Because Solomon wrote a, a preface, if you will, to the book of Proverbs. In the very first chapter, in the very first few verses, Solomon kind of lays out um, the purpose um, for the Proverbs and how important they are. And, you know, I've used this, I've used this passage, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lead not to your own understanding. I can't tell you how many times I've quoted that verse, used it in sermon after sermon after sermon, but I, I never actually preached on this as just as a text, a standalone. It's always usually supporting a point. And I thought, uh, I thought as we go into this new year, we ought to go to this new year with the right frame of mind. And that's what this morning is about, is entering this new year with understanding who we are, who He is, uh, and how we should live in Him and have our being. And I believe these Proverbs uh, in chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, does that very well. So I entitled this morning's message, Walking in 2020 with 2020. I don't know about you, I wear glasses. I have 2020 with glasses most of the time. I take them off and start looking with my natural eyes as they are today. And listen, I can't find my glasses. Now, a lot of you know I travel a lot for my job, and I stay in hotels probably a third of the weekdays, it seems, out of the year these days. I spend at least a third of them in hotel rooms. And there's nothing worse than waking up and not knowing where you are. Anybody ever done that? wake up in a room unfamiliar and have to try to figure out where I is, how I got there, and where's my dog on glasses? Because in the middle of the night, sometimes I'll fall asleep watching TV or whatever, and or talking to Sal. We FaceTime when I'm away. It's so cool. I remember having a, I think me and Carl talked this, remember the Sprint calling cards? Y'all remember that? When they came out? Oh, you thought you were something? Oh, I got a calling card. I could go to any pay phone I want. And I could make a call using my Sprint calling car. And I used to watch the Jetsons when I was a kid. Right? You remember Jetsons? Right? Watch the Jetsons? And they had the video phone where George would talk to Mr. Spacely. Remember that? Now we got it. We got it. The treadmill that Astro used to walk on, we got them too. I'm just waiting. What was that? Food dispenser. Got these microwave ovens now. I'm waiting for Rosie to show up the, the robot, but I think they have that in the Wise stores. Isn't it Wise? Martin's. By the way, it follows Mary all the time. I told her it's the hair. That robot's like, you know, robot's running around, must fix, must fix, must fix, must, must fix, must fix. I told her, I said, if you don't believe me, wear a kerchief over that whatever that is. Right, that, that nest, that hair. My dad says, you talking about that woman at the bank with the hair? And he can't remember her name. That's what he calls her. She's sick and ain't talking too well, so I can make fun of her today. I said, just walk in there with a hat on or something covering that up, and I bet you that robot don't give you a second look. And then go down the next aisle and take it off and see what happens. That robot will be... <laughs> we got all this stuff. But I'll, uh, I'll talk to Sal. We'll be on videos. We get to see each other. Right? And y'all remember when you're dating, you hang up. No, you hang up. By the way, we don't do that anymore. I'm getting tired. Bye. <laughs> right? Just, that's what Sal says. I'm getting tired. Bye. And I'll wake up. And sometimes I will have taken my glasses off in the bed somewhere. Or they'll be on the floor somewhere. And I don't know where they are, but there I am going like this, trying to find my doggone glasses. And the reason I do that, I don't know about you, but I won't get out of bed. I'll spin myself around and have my hands on the floor and my body on the bed because I have stepped on my glasses before. And the worst sound when you're looking for your glasses is crunch. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to have to call somebody in here to help me find my doggone glasses. 
And so when you're walking without sight, it gets pretty difficult. And without my glasses, I can't see a whole lot of anything. What I want us to see this morning, I believe God's word wants us to see this morning, is God's got perfect vision, we don't. If we want to see things right, we've got to see it through him and not through ourselves this morning. Amen? Let's read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 together. Would you follow along with me this morning? It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon's laying out the purpose for the book of Proverbs is that we may be able to, to understand and have words of insight and to receive instruction and wise dealing, things of righteousness and justice and equity. This is the purpose, and so this morning we want to look at verses 5 through 8 with this purpose in mind. Here's what Chuck Smith said about Solomon. It says, Solomon was a very prolific writer. He wrote several songs. He wrote 3,000 proverbs. He wrote books on biology, zoology, and many different fields. People came from all over the world to sit and hear his wisdom as he would expound on plants and animals and things of this nature. So these are the proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. People would come from miles and miles around back when traveling wasn't easy just to be able to sit down at the feet of Solomon and hear his wisdom. And today God has ensured that we have that for ourselves through his word this morning. So let us pay attention and let us be alert this morning to God's word and what he'd have to say to us. Because we this morning are able to sit down beside the beloved Solomon and listen to the words of wisdom and instruction on how to follow God this morning. And that is what we want to look at. Now this morning we're going to go verse by verse in this passage of Scripture. Um, more of an expository uh, design, if you will, in a sermon. We want to look at each verse and understand its meaning line by line so that, so that we leave nothing out this morning. And so let's look at verse 5 together. Let's look at verse 5. I look at verse 5 and I tagged it, do and don't. Because in this verse, he gives us something that we should do and then something that we should not do. And he says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. So I wrote this, do trust in the Lord and don't prop up your life with your own knowledge. Now I want you to think about that. Think about life and how we live our life. And he says that trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You see... To love God, we have to be able to trust God. To say that we love Him and then to, to not trust Him, it doesn't really go hand in hand. I mean, if we truly love someone, then there has to be trust there. If there's not trust, then listen, what does that love gain us? If I, could, if I love Sal but do not trust her, then, then what kind of life and what kind of peace do I have in being with her if I can't trust her. And really, to, to trust someone is to show them the love. And he's saying here that, that listen, we must trust the Lord with all our mind. But how did he tell us to love God? He said we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And so he's saying here that part of that love Loving God with all the heart, mind, and soul is also to trust Him and to know that God is trustworthy. And then he says, but to don't lean on your own understanding. So he's saying, listen, you can trust God, and God's Word outlines how we are to, to conduct ourselves on a daily basis in every aspect of life. And he says, listen, trust in what God says for you to do, and don't prop your life up. In other words, don't build your life around your understanding and what you think that you know. Have you ever had somebody tell you something and you said, well, I didn't know that? 
Have you ever made a decision later to regret it, but if, because you, there was something you didn't know? Well, if I wouldn't have chose that, right? Sometimes we, we, we think things are going to be better if I just had this. If I, if I just had this one thing, my life would be totally better only to get that one thing and find out that, that it's the one thing that's driving you absolute nuts and you wish you never had it to begin with. It's kind of like buying a Chevy. I just got to have one to try them out. They have a bow tie. Who doesn't like a bow tie? It looks great sitting in your yard. That's where it'll be most of the time. I mean, if I'd have only known how these Chevys are, I, I wouldn't have bought one. That's what Greg's all the time. I'm just saying. I can say that because I got my Dodge fixed yesterday. <laughs> you won't see funny was watching my dad with his little old Ford Escape pull that big Dodge up out of the yard so Greg wouldn't see it. Now that was funny. Sometimes we just have to have a thing or we have to have something or even someone only to find out later that it's just been, it's an albatross around her neck. And he's saying, listen, you can trust God. You can trust him because he absolutely knows everything. And God will lead you in such a way knowing not just what's at hand, but also knowing the future. How many of you know the future? I may know some general things about the future, but I don't know what's going to happen the next minute. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. And so I'm going to build my life around what I know. You know what I find out? The more I read in God's Word, the more I realize I don't know. Matter of fact, I realize is what do I know is very small and could be put in a very small box. Right beside the nothing drawer, by the way, for us men. I realize how much I don't know. But this, so listen to what James said. James said in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make for a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James is saying, listen, you don't know about tomorrow. He says that anybody that says that I'm going to do this tomorrow or do this the next day and making those plans out as if you know what tomorrow is going to bring. He said that is boasting in arrogance. That we're arrogant when we, when we, do, we leave God out of our plans. Or when we leave God's will out of our plans. It says instead you should say, if God wills. Like I plan on going to Baltimore tomorrow at work if God, if God wills it. What does that mean? Am I going to get up and just wait for God to strike me at the head and know whether I'm supposed to go to Baltimore or not? No. I'm going to get up and live out that plan. But if God wills something else, something else will happen and my plans will be diverted. But God's plans are never thwarted, the Bible says. So let's think about that for a man. How many of y'all have ever had a plan ruined? Guess who hasn't? God. Not once has his plan never been done. Not once has he ever made a mistake. Not once has God planned for something to happen that didn't happen. His plans are never foiled, the scripture says, in more than one place. But yet you and I, by our own admission, know that you and I have made plans time and time and time again only to see our plans go in the trash because there were things that we did not know that we could not account for and therefore, our plans were foiled. But yet, God's never has. So think about that this morning as we, as we think about what it means to trust God with all of our heart. Think about what that means is to, to truly place into Him our lives and say, God, listen, I, I want my life to be lived according to your will. And I absolutely trust you and know that your choices are perfect and that your plans always go according to plan. So I do not want to create plans that are outside of yours. I want your plan to be active in my life, and I want to follow it. Because there's going to be times that God actually says this one word that we all hate to hear. And it's only a two-letter word, but it's no. Sometimes God says no. We don't like that, do we? Like spoiled little kid. You ever tell a kid no, and they start screaming, man, go, go to Walmart. You want to see this in action? Go to Walmart. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty convinced that people of Walmart website is right out of Martinsburg. Is there anybody else that will drive out of the way to go to a different one? Thank you. I knew there were some honest people in here. 
right? There's some honest people here that says, listen, I'm going to go the other way. Well, you go to one, oh man, listen, to in the world today, it's, it's all about appeasement. We're always trying to appease everybody, right? And if you, and if you say no to someone, or if you say that, that what they're doing is wrong, oh, heaven forbid that we hurt somebody's feelings. But I'm going to tell you, there's a day coming. There's going to be some feelings hurt. There's going to be a day coming where we're going to stand in judgment and wish you had told them. Amen. But in today's society, what today's world says that we're supposed to act like, they want to frame us in and box us in, and they want to call that any, anything that hurts somebody's feelings or anything that, that, that will make a person think for a minute that they're undone in some way, they want to now label that as hate speech, and they want to make that illegal. That's where it's going to come, by the way. They're not going to tell you you can't love God. But they're going to tell you that you can't say things that will hurt somebody else's feelings. But here's the problem. For us to come to Christ, we've got to realize that, A, that we are undone and that we are unrighteous and that we're living before a holy God in an unholy way. And we're going to have to know that I am a sinner in need of saving. That Christ doesn't come into our life to leave us like we are. He comes into our life to change us and mold us into something that's fit for his kingdom in the way he sees it, not the way we see it. So listen, if there's ever a time that we need to trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding, is today. Why? Because, listen, it's going to get worse and worse as things go on, but we've got to be able to hold to the Word and be willing to speak it with truth regardless of the outcome. And you know what? There, Through the years, we see how the church has gone through persecution, and people have been thrown in jail, and people have lost their lives for the gospel. Today's society says, well, how can a loving God want you to experience that? Listen, our God does love us. He gave us Jesus Christ, amen, on the cross so that we can be saved today he does love us but his plan can and does include sometimes hardship even for the people who love him the most i'm not to lean to my own understanding and own thoughts about that i'm to trust that if god allows me to be jailed imprisoned for the gospel's sake that he's got something great in that plan and i need to go to jail singing his praises just like paul and silas as they sang in jail it's interesting was that Philippian jailer turned his heart to Christ because Paul and Silas would not be silenced in their praise to God even when they were in shackles and in bonds in prison. You know how to, sometimes you have to, how to reach someone in jail is be in there. Now listen, don't go out here and break the law. Well, Huff said I need to talk to people in jail, so I'm just going to find myself away. No, listen, it won't be long before you'll get there doing righteous things. So don't go out and do something unrighteous to get yourself there earlier. But listen, trusting God with all of our heart means that when hardship comes, we're going to have to trust that there's a purpose for it. That there's a purpose for pain. And we're going to have to, to live with that purpose and just trust Him and know that what God does is best. It was just a week or two ago that several were beheaded overseas for trusting in Christ. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said to live as Christ and to die as gain. And he said that not too long before he would be taken on the Ostian Road right outside of Rome, and there he would be beheaded. We have to, to trust him and know that God has things under control and he doesn't need us to fix anything for him. He doesn't need us to, to connive and to, to try to connect the dots for him. God can connect the dots all by himself. He just wants us to trust him and know that he is God. That even when we're suffering, there's a purpose. And that is good because God only does things that are good. Even may seem bad to us, but limited not is all-knowing. Amen. Let us go to the next verse, verse 6. I know what you're thinking. He's never going to get off verse 5. We'll never get out of here. Verse 6 says this. He will make your ways 
Well, let's, let's, I'm sorry. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now think about it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make straight your paths. I wrote this down. He will make your ways his ways. But he'll make straight your paths. I don't know about you, but has anybody ever been trying to get somewhere and take the wrong road? Right? And men, we don't like asking for directions. Thank, oh, thank the Lord for GPS. The whole male species has been saved through that. I'm just kidding. Save the embarrassment, I should say. Right? Women always, why don't you stop asking for directions? I know where I'm at. I just know the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. What time is it, honey? I need to know which way I'm headed. By the way, trying to find your direction with the sun at noon does you no good. We'll just have to wait here for a while, I guess, to figure out which direction we're going in. But you've ever gotten lost and you, you put in extra miles. But have you ever been running late for an appointment? Right, been running late, not quite sure where to go, and only have a, a gallon of gas left, and that light is coming on saying low, right, Des DTE, my truck says DTE, right, uh, distance empty. And that thing's flashing, get gas, get gas, I'm running late, I'm lost, I don't know where I'm at. Stop me at gas, I can't stop me at gas, I'm going to be even more late than what I am now. In fact, we got off course. Think about when he says that in all of our ways we acknowledge him, he will make straight your paths. I don't know about you, but getting lost and going off the, you know, yeah, some people say this, well, you know, sometimes that part of the journey is absolutely beautiful. Yes, it is. It can be. But it could also be full of pain and heartache. Amen. There ain't nothing worse than being on the wrong road and then have car trouble on the wrong road and you end up on a road that nobody else travels and you ain't got no cell phone coverage and you're just waiting around hoping somebody comes by and when that somebody does come by, you're like, oh, I'll wait for the next one. Y'all know what I mean? Somebody comes by, hey, you need help? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, think about it. What would you think like if somebody like me pulled up? How you doing? You need some? No, well, I think we'll be okay. We're, uh, we're just waiting on someone else. Just waiting on someone. That's, you say else after they're gone. But I, I thought about the, the story of the prodigal son with this verse. Think about the prodigal son. Uh, the prodigal son went to his dad and says, Dad, uh, I want everything that's owed to me. And he's basically telling his dad, I wish you were dead, right? You're, to me, you're dead. Just give me what my inheritance and I'm out of here. And so the prodigal son goes and he spends all of his money doing crazy stuff. And, and uh, next thing you know, he finds himself wallowing in the mud with the pigs. By the way, to a Jew, that was, listen, it's one thing we know it was, you may have been around pigs, you know, the, they stink and, and they're muddy and, and it's just, what, they, I'll tell you what, pigs are better on a plate than they are in a pen. That's all I got to say. Because I don't know about you, but bacon, hmm. Mm. God sure blessed us with that, didn't he? Israelites didn't get to try bacon. We do. Amen. So great to be living under grace now, isn't it? If we were living under the law, we wouldn't be able to eat bacon. By the way, have you seen things like turkey bacon? They make it look like bacon, but it ain't bacon. Right? It don't shrivel up. It don't do all the good stuff that bacon does. I don't know about you, but a couple pops in, of grease and little burns on your arm, boy, it ain't, ain't it worth it. There you are rubbing them grease spots on your arm. <laughs> but there he was wallowing with the pigs into a Jew. That was absolutely the worst. And he was wishing that he could eat some of the corn off them husk that the pigs were eating. And he says, I'm going to go back home because at my dad's house, the servants eat better than this. Now, the Bible says that when the dad saw him afar off, which means the dad was looking for him, by the way, his dad took off running to him. By the way, back then, Jewish fathers didn't run to their sons like that. It, was, it would be dishonorable in that culture. But this father didn't care about that. He didn't care what other people thought. He saw his son coming home, and that's all that mattered. Now, listen, one could say that the son learned a lot in that time that he went awry. But the son also carried scars from that time. Do you carry any scars in your life? I got some in mine. I got some scars that to this day, you start talking about it, and I start to hurt. 
I'm reminded of these things that I've experienced and the hurt that I've had. Now, what he's saying here, listen, if we in all ways acknowledge him, God will make your path straight. You know what that means? You ain't got to go off and experience that. You can just trust God that out there are things that will hurt you and leave it at that. Why is it that we got to go experience our hurt for ourselves? But time and time again, we do that. He's saying that if in all ways we acknowledge him, he's going to make sure he keeps us on a path. And he's going to keep us away from a lot of those painful moments and from having all of those scars because God doesn't want that for you or for me. Now, God will love you. And by the way, when the prodigal son, he was still his son. Amen. But still yet, I wonder how many times after that, that the prodigal son's mind just wandered off and just sometimes just in those moments just felt the pain that he had caused his father. And I'm sure it was a reminder to him for a long time. God says this, if you follow me in every aspect of your life, I'll save you the pain. I'll make your path straight so that you don't have to go experience those things. I'll keep you away from danger. I will alert you when danger is clear of it. And you don't have to go on those long having a hard time finding your way back. I'll say from those that you're on that sad road broken down and nobody's coming to your help. I'll save you from having to experience that. What a loving God. Why is it something just almost seems like we're just destined to have to taste the mud, if you will, or experience the mud and have the heartache that goes along with it? Sometimes we're just too hard-headed that we just have to get in the mud to learn a lesson. But I will tell you this, a wise man, a wise man will take God's word for it. Instead of having to experience it for himself, a wise man will lean on God's understanding and not his own. I trust God that those things out there will hurt me. I trust that what God says about those things are right, that, that, that they will not bring me any joy at all. So I don't need to go experience those things. Now, I wish I could tell you I was always like that, but that's not true. That's not true, and there's a lot, of, a lot of days in my life, and there's a lot of periods in my life where I walked in stark contrast to what God would have for me. And I've got the scars to prove it, and probably you do too. But listen, how about we make 2020 the year where we'll just trust God. Instead of having to veer off again to go experience it for ourselves, we're just going to trust Him. You see, I teach technicians a lot of times. I, I, I do training for heat and air conditioning, and... Um, I tell guys sometimes, like, here's some things that you ought to pay attention to and not do. And the reason I'm telling you not to do them is because they will hurt you. Like sticking your hand in a live unit when you're all sweaty, things like that. And I explain to them, there's actually science behind that. You don't realize, but the amount of resistance that your body has changes when you start to get wet from sweat. And so your chances of getting electrocuted are much higher. And so I tell them these things, and then at the end of telling them all the scientific reasons of why I just told them what I told them, I said, but let me just give you this. If you're going to be smart, some of you think you're smart. If you're smart, you're going to learn from my mistakes instead of you having to make them yourself. Now, otherwise, we're going to have two dummies in the room. How about you just listen to the one dummy at the front of the room, and I'll save you the heartache. Because if you ever get hit with 477, it will make your knees buckle, by the way, if you live to talk about it. Luckily, I did. And I will tell them stories about how the, I had done these things and, and, and the pain that it brought me. And I'm like, don't do what I did. I walked away from it. There was a good chance that I wouldn't walk away from it. And there's a good chance you won't walk away from it either. So the fact that I'm standing here still in one piece, be wise enough to learn from my mistakes lest you have to make them yourself. And that's really kind of at the heart of what God is saying here. If in all your ways you acknowledge me, I'll make your path straight so that you don't have to go down these other roads. I will keep you in a clear path in a way that is straight. Because Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those... Uh, and, and those who will find it are few. Listen, yeah, God's way is a very straight and narrow way. But listen, it leads to everlasting life. 
When we see those wide paths, it looks real nice, like it's leading off into the sunset. What you don't realize is there's a cliff. And all your little one is looking at what you can see at the horizon. But that's kind of, uh, when you look out to the horizon, it's not always telling you the full story, is it? I look at it in the beach. You ever go to the beach and you look at the right, like where the ocean meets the sky? Isn't that cool? There's sharks in there. <laughs> ever thought about that? Boy, isn't that just beautiful? I'm going to swim off into the sunset. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. Watch Jaws. There are creatures out there and it's deep. By the way, you get tired, you just don't stand up on the ocean floor. I don't know about you, I get swimming, I get tired, I don't like the deep end of the pool. I get tired, I'm like, I just can't stop here, I keep going. I don't have gills, I, I, I gotta get to somewhere I can put my feet down. You get out there in the ocean, it looks really good from the horizon. But underneath that glass-like water is a lot of danger. And things that will drag you under and kill you. Don't go to those things. Acknowledge him, he'll make your way straight. Now let's go to verse 7. I know what you're thinking, man, he's still, he's still behind. Verse 7 says this, be, wise, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I wrote this down, don't trust your vision, you need glasses. God doesn't. Now I asked Brian, Brian, I want you to show that picture of that woman I found. When it comes to knowing what the future holds, this is, this is our vision, right? Brown's going to show you a picture. This is how good our vision is about things. We have such a limited vision field, right? In, you see it in glasses? Look at them. They could look at a map and see people is what Brian said. Good grief. And also, I like bubbles. Y'all know who bubbles is? Well, you're getting ready to see how honorary your pastor is. Show them bubbles. See how big his eyes are in them things? Remember Dr. Doolittle, right? He had that horse, had that magnifying glass on. All right, Brian, you can take it down. That is what our vision is really like. We got glasses so thick that we could start forest fires if the sun was to shine through them. And yet we think that we see so well. Well, the fact is, is we're not hardly seeing anything. He says, be wise, be not wise in your own eyes. The fact is, is when I look at what I'm able to actually know and see, it is so little that it is scary when things are, are finally brought into light. But he says, be not wise in your own eyes. You don't have 20-20 vision with glasses, by the way, and, and neither do I. I might be able to see, like, physically have 20-20 vision with these glasses. But listen, you and I, we don't know the thing. I, you know what? I don't know the intention of your heart. You know the intention of mine. You think you do. You think you know what my intentions are. But the simple fact is, you do not. You're looking at what I do, and you're praying that my intentions match what I'm doing. But some people are nice to you for the wrong reasons. Amen. You ever had somebody buddy-buddy up to you? Hey, huff, old pal, how you doing? You look, boy, you losing weight, ain't you? That's a sign right there. Right? Bill Ingvall talked about that, right? That's a sign, right? Huff, you looking good, boy, I tell you, losing weight, boy, you looking good. You got smaller pants on, don't you? Anybody else wear bigger pants to make yourself look thinner? Am I the only one that ever does that? You see, if you buy a pair of pants too big, people think you're losing weight because you have to cinch your belt in a little bit and they gather up a little bit. Boy, you must be losing weight. I just bought bigger pants. But it works, see, man? But they come up and say, oh, huh, boy, it's good to see you, old buddy, old pal, old friend. How you doing? Right? It's been a, man, you still doing heat and air conditioning? Boy, you was always good at that. I'm telling you one thing. You just really hung the moon when it comes to that. Yeah, so my furnace ain't working. Ain't that something? Isn't that how it works? You see, a lot of times when we look at people's actions, we think we know their intentions. We don't know them at all. How do you think people are lured away? People get promises of things. Dr. David Platt was talking about being up there in the Himalayas, and he talked about those little villages there and how people would come from the city, and they'll tell them that if you let me take your daughter to the city, we'll give her a much better life. 
and she'll be able to make money. She'll be able to come home and visit, be able to send money home. Her life will be so much better than up here because, by the way, they found out that it was only like two in ten children actually reach adulthood in those villages because simple things that you and I take Pepto-Bismol for, they actually take their lives. They die of cholera outbreaks and things like that. Things that you and I don't experience at all. We got medicine for that. We got antibacterial stuff and all that. Up there, simple things that you and I that may take us down for a day or two, they take them under. And they promise them this better life. It's not a better life at all. When they get them there, they drug them and they have them do unspeakable things. It all sounded good, but it wasn't good. So sometimes we think that we see the real picture. We think that we can judge the intent of people based on what they do. The Bible says for us to be harmless as does, but a wise as a serpent. Trust God in what he sees. He says here, don't trust your eyes. We're so inferior to God. Why is it that we would trust ourselves in that way? Doesn't ever make you wonder? God knows absolutely everything, idly anything, but why will I trust me over him? You ever wonder? I don't know about you, but I do sometimes. Sometimes I, I will know and I will feel in my spirit something, but I'll still re, I'll reject it because I think that I know better. God, I know you're trying to tell me something here, but I, I, got, it, I got this covered. Only to find out again that God and I was absolutely wrong. Look at what God told Job in chapter 38, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Think about what God is telling Job. Where were you when I made the foundations of the world? Where were you when I hung the earth and the stars? Where were you? I created you, not the other way around. And you want to tell me that you know, but you want to question me and have your day in court with me? Think about that the next time that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you reject it because you think you know better. Think about God saying that to you. Where were you when I hung the stars? And you're going to tell me the right way? No, it doesn't, doesn't go well. But he told us to turn away from evil. Now, a lot of times when we think about that, we evil, you know, there were times where Jesus rebuked Satan. But you know, he never told us to. You see, that's God's job. You know what we're to do? We're to flee. We're to turn away from evil things. Let God take care of his justice. It's for him to rebuke, not you and I. It says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 11 now. The reason I, I really should read about 10 verses before this, but let me just kind of set this verse up. Timothy is writing, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's talking before this verse, he's talking about uh, the love of money uh, and false teachers and stuff like that. And he's talking about all evil. And then after talking about all this manner of evil, he says this, but as for you, O man of God, he's saying, but as for you, Timothy, a preacher, Flee these things. In other words, turn away and run. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm strong enough. I can fight this. No, you ain't. Not on your own. When we encounter evil, when we encounter things that God doesn't want us to have, when we encounter things that we know are absolutely against God, we are to turn away and run. Run away from them. It says, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take a hold of the eternal life which you were called and about which you were made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying this. And the, listen, those evil things, flee from them. Get away from them. A lot of times we, we, we think that we're strong enough to hang out with these things and not let them rub off on us. Right? You ever see these people on these animal shows that play with them snakes? You ever seen that? I'll you know, a show uh, about these people that handle snakes in church. Let me tell you something. Y'all bring in a snake in this church, I don't care if it's a garter. I'm putting a hole right about there. It'll look like the Looney Tunes when I go through. And I ain't coming back. If I do, it'll be... Where's the snake? And I will unload all ten shells 
to make sure there is absolutely not even a nerve ending left when I get done. But they'll sit there and they hold these snakes and oh, he's that, that crazy fellow. Oh, look at this thing. It's so great. It's so beautiful. It's a snake for the love of Pete. It has fangs. By the way, all snakes have fangs in my book. King Cobra, black snake, the same. They're the same. They wiggle. They, go, they put their tongue out. To me, they're the same. And I'm fleeing. Right? By the way, if you see me run, you better run. Because if I run, there ain't something bigger than me chasing me. Or there's a snake. And I don't care how little it is. By the way, I, I left a rubber snake in my pocket one time when I was a kid. And my mom used to wash my clothes. Uh, my mama, she raised me pretty good, but there was a couple things my mama didn't do right. My mama didn't make me wash clothes like some other mamas made their kids wash clothes. They made them learn. But see, my mama must have prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him I was going to have a wife that was as particular about her washing dryer as my mama was hers. My mama wouldn't let me nowhere near that washing dryer, except for to put in fabric softener. Son, go put in some fabric softener and put that lid back down. Okay, mom. That's the only thing I was allowed to do. She says, because I was going to tear something up, and I would wash stuff with the wrong stuff. And Sal says the same thing today. I'll take care of it, honey. You'll mess this up. She went away for two months. Walmart loved it. I kept buying new underwear. Keep buying. They, boy, that man must go through a lot of underwear. She wasn't home. She, she told me how to try to do the washer over the phone, but that didn't go so good. I think some people were worried about me because some of our clothes started to smell. Me and the boys were like, Phew. <laughs> Pastor Huff is coming around. I could tell. Be glad when Sally gets home. Anyway, I didn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to wash clothes. My mom said that I would tear the washing machine up because I tear everything else up. And she said that I, I tore up a, a night pot. Y'all know what that is? With a marshmallow hammer. I don't know if you ever looked that up, by the way. It's pretty funny. Um, Night Pod is, well, you got to look that up. Anyway, I was always tearing stuff up. So this particular day, somehow, I had horse traded with, you know how kids are. Uh, I'll give you two pennies, a dime, and this baseball card for that, right? And so I ended up horse trading and got a rubber snake. A rubber snake. And I put that rubber snake in my pocket. I was terrified of snakes. Even a rubber snake... Made me a little, you know, a little worried there, you know what I mean? But uh, I had this rubber snake, and I left it in my pocket. My mother found that rubber snake by sticking her hands in my pocket to pull my pockets out to see if I had anything in them. Could you imagine? My mother was as terrified of snakes as I am because that's where I got it from. Could you imagine what happened to her when she pulled the rubber snake out of my pocket? That was one of the worst beatings I ever got. I'm seriously, she, she cut a switch. Boy, she wore me out over there. Don't you, I told you to take stuff out of your pocket. Had me going in circles in the living room. I must have made like, I don't know how many revolutions it was, but I was a lot. I was scared to death. But you see these guys, they'll get up there and they'll say these snakes are beautiful and they'll keep messing around with it. And, and I was watching this one fellow was at one of these churches. He was handling snakes and he's holding this thing up, dancing around and they're playing music. And all of a sudden, that snake, pow, caught him right in the side of the head and the ear and bit him. They ended up taking him to the hospital, which they usually don't do. And he spent over a week unconscious. And it was spending several weeks in there before he was able to get out. You know why I don't play with snakes? Because they bite. And some of them are poisonous, and I don't know how to tell which ones are or aren't. So I say... Don't touch any of them. Leave them alone. You see, if I don't know which ones are poisonous, which ones aren't, I certainly don't want to, maybe I got a 50-50 chance, but I don't want to be wrong. What about you? So a lot of times we start playing with stuff that it's going to have an effect on our lives, even our physical life. It's about a year ago, maybe not, maybe, no, I don't think it's been a year, we had a group of people here, a bunch of different churches that were gathered, and we were being um, educated on the opioid epidemic here in the Eastern Panhandle. And one of the people who spoke was a young lady, beautiful young lady. But if you could see the physical difference in her now, 
that she's clean and has the Lord in her life versus when she was traveling the road, if you will. It was so much different. Her body was, she, she was not eating right. Body was, she was thin as a rail, jaw sunken in, color was terrible, and just looked absolutely awful. But when she got right with God and God helped clean her life up, and she reflected Christ, now she had a twinkle in her eye that was not there before. Now she's able to, to live in such a way that is consistent with God, and her physical being is so much different now that she's living according to Christ. So why, why include that? Well, God's wanting us to understand that if we trust Him, acknowledge Him, and if we fear Him, and that if we will walk away from evil and put our whole trust in Him in every aspect of our life, it will be good for us. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have physical ailments and problems. That's not what this is about. But we can guarantee that the added stress of transgressing against God is going to have a negative effect on every aspect of our life, including our physical body. That is Scripture. So how about we enter 2020 relying on God, trusting His ways, acknowledging His ways in every aspect of our life. That means we acknowledge Him at work just as we do at home and just like when we're around our neighbors and our friends. God is God to us and He's Lord and we don't want to do anything that's offensive to Him no matter in whose company we are in. We belong to God and we call Him Lord in every area of our life. He says if we'll do that, it'll be like healing to us. And that you and I can live with a renewed sense of purpose and live and move and have our being in Him. You want to enter 2020 trusting Him in every aspect of your life? Or do you want to live another year where you try to make it on your own only to get grief, stress, even sick to your stomach? God says, listen, trust me and things will drastically change. Would you stand with me?